Handle on the News. Handle on the News! He says, you just, well, I don't, I don't see why. Bill Handle. Just don't quit. You're just costing the Board of Education money. And now, here's Bill Handel. Good morning, one and all, on a uh, Thursday, last day of May. And I uh, want to say a quick hello to Jennifer Jones Lee. Hello, Handel. Wayne Resnick. Morning. Morning. Uh, there's Alex. John Ramirez. Morning. And uh, do we have Morgan's arm? Yes, we do. Here hello, I am. Morgan's arm. <laughs> we ever taken a picture of the arm? Waving. We did when Alex was the arm. We did. Oh, we did. We can, we can also now. We can do say Morgan. Morgan. Oh, here. Okay. How about this? Here is our new minimum wage employee, <clears throat> Morgan. That's me. And every, that is you. And every morning when I say hello, this is what we see from this seat. It's a different arm. Uh, yes, it's a different arm <laughs> than Alex's, and you can tell. Uh, also, I. Uh, I have made, uh, that's it. There's a uh, new decision has been made. I am uh, now committing to something brand new. Oh? Yeah. You know how um, the show, I, I come in, I go to the bathroom, drink coffee, uh, come in late, uh, get a sandwich or whatever, half the time, right? But yeah. I do that a lot. Yeah. That's changing. Oh? We, we are now going to have a tight show. Now we won't. Mm, okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> It was a good try, though. Yeah. Good one, Handel. Yeah, I know. For a second there, I thought, eh, no. Part of my brain was, did he really have a revelation? And yeah. he's, no. Remember, tight is good. And uh, sloppy. Not, not and, if you're trying to water the lawn and the uh, spigot won't open up. Well said. Then it's bad. Then it's bad. That's true. Okay. Uh, I think it's time for... Handle on the law. Or news. Uh, or or news. news. Why am I thinking that? Because I keep, you know what's happening is Law Day is coming on the 16th, and I'm already getting into the mindset. Yeah. And see, there you go, a tight show. Law Day is coming. <laughs> you know, we should actually, okay, thank you for that. Game of Thrones theme, when uh, we start, when I start doing the Law Day promos. All right? So, uh yeah, I like Law Day is coming. I like that. Matter of fact, we should... Uh, Record it, replace the word winter with somebody saying Law Day. Yeah, I think so. All right. John? I think so. John, can let's, we put that together? Maybe not today. That. Let's put that on the list of projects for yeah. today. All right, guys. You ready to do it? Let's do it. Lead story. One of the weirdest stories, a Russian journalist by the name of Arkady Bobchenko uh, was murdered. And then the next day, he shows up at a press conference, not murdered. <gasps> and it is so weird. He was saying it was a sting to catch the murderers who were connected to the Kremlin, uh, Ukrainians. And it's just, I mean, the whole thing is just so weird. And, of course, that leaves open the accusation of fake news because this whole thing was set up and reported by the media. Well, he's considered media. And it's just weird. The great movie plot. But they did arrest two people. Because there was a real plot to kill him. Yeah. And they did arrest two people in connection with that plot. So I guess it worked. I guess so. But it's still, well, it still leaves open the allegation from uh, the Putin folks. You see, fake news. Therefore, the argument against me and uh, the meddling is all fake. This just adds credence 
I think, to the fake news movement. Mm-hmm. I have two number ones. I do, too. Do I? So I'll do, I'll do, uh, yeah, I do, but I'm supposed to do both because it says right here, Bill, Bill. All right, Harvey. See? There you go. Double, double bills. Double bills. Wow. See? Your favorite thing. See? Tight show. This I'm is telling you. This yeah, one. it is. Okay. Uh, grand jury yesterday indicted uh, Harvey Weinstein on charges of rape. Uh, in the first and third degrees, and first-degree criminal sexual act. He was arraigned last week, which means he was told of the charges yes. last week. This is a for- this step, even though it's getting big headlines, this is a formality step. It's well, not like he's surprised by this. Anything Harvey Weinstein does uh, these days is front page news. Doesn't matter what he does. Goes to a restaurant. New York, they cover it. Like New York Post, headline. Right? Harvey Weinstein goes to Starbucks. I mean, it's crazy. Well, and the big question was, would he testify before the grand jury? I didn't ever think he would. Did you? Uh, you don't have to testify if you're a criminal. But they uh, were who, saying that it was who a, would ever, it was no, a question. as a criminal uh, whatever test- target what testifies in front of the grand jury when they don't you can't even, even have an attorney Right, in there. they wouldn't even ask him to do that. Well, that's why I thought it was so weird that that was even a question making the headlines yesterday. Yeah. Would that's he testify? People, I know, that's just if you don't know the yeah, intricacies. So I was stupid. like, I don't think you would do that in the first place. Well, look who was West Winging yesterday. Kim Kardashian. Thank you. Here, I'll I know. Meeting with the president? Kim, Kim Kardashian, Kardashian West right. was West winging. Uh-huh. Oh, I got no, it. Yeah, yeah, we get well, it. Aha. Very well said. Yeah, I didn't get it. Wasn't paying attention. I was just talking, thinking about her. Uh, it was about prison reform, which is really weird. Uh, it, that's uh, what is being reported, that it's full prison reform. And it really had to do with her trying to uh, have... I th- now, I don't know what her relationship is with that woman. Alice Marie Johnson is serving life in prison without, right, without parole. Right, without parole for a drug allegation. And uh, it's uh, and Kim Kardashian is somehow connected to her. She I heard saw some- a video about her. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, that's it. That's it. Got it. Because it was reported uh, yesterday there's some relation, and uh, I had no idea. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, she just saw a video. Of the, I think, you know... It felt bad for this woman and yeah. has decided to, you know, go out for her and met with the president and was trying to figure out how this, you know, low-level drug offender could be serving more than 20 years in prison. Oh, and so, so it brings such, up— Not such low levels. She was accused of running a ring that was doing $50 million a year in drugs. And uh, they're describing this as a low level. I don't think it's that low level. If, in fact, she was convicted of that. She was. I read her indictment. Okay, so hundreds of kilos of cocaine. Yeah. Now, one of the things that happened is a bunch of the other people involved in this enterprise flipped on her and they all got much lower sentences. But that's how it works. Her look, her crime was being a big part of a major drug ring. Her mistake after that was not cooperating early in the process. She should have flipped. She should have flipped I know. first. See, when you have these defendants, they run to the prosecutor oh, to flip. Yeah. Uh, it's a race. It's a potato. Uh, it's a, a potato sack race, and we'll see who gets there first. It's interesting that Kim Kardashian. I, I guess that's all you have to do is be Kim Kardashian to meet with the president. You yeah. call up. You go, "Hey, I'd like to meet with the president." There's your photo shoot, uh, photo op, and here we go. All right, we'll take a break. Come back, and obviously we have plenty more uh, KFI here. Cause we could be alone. 
Can't buy handle here on a Thursday morning, May 31, last day of May. And we continue with a handle on the news. Jennifer Jones Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Trump finally speaks out about the Roseanne Barr situation. You were kind of the original crazy tweeter right now, <laughs> but Yeah, Trump totally stole my He ass. stole that from totally. you, yeah. Yeah, unusually, it's about Trump. Yes, it is. Trump, it all is about Trump. I was talking to Marjorie last night when we watched this on the news, saying uh, it doesn't matter. For example, if he were president when the moonshot occurred, when man finally hit the first steps on the moon, he'd figure out a way to say, that's my shoe size. <laughs> yeah, he didn't see, it's not so much that he's upset that, that her show was canceled. He's upset that Bob Iger at, at ABC thought that he should call Valerie Jarrett to apologize about what was said about her by Roseanne, but that Bob Iger never called President Trump to apologize for the terrible things they say about him on ABC. Yeah, Sarah Sanders said that Trump was just pointing out his media bias. Where was Bob Iger's apology to the White House staff for Jamel Hill calling the president and anyone associated with him a white supremacist? To Christians around the world for Joy Bear calling Christianity a mental illness. Well, wait, you would apologize? If you you disparage an entire world religion, you're supposed to apologize to the world, but... No, to, I can see who his, do you apologize no, I to? Can see, I can see his point. Uh, but uh, one of the things about Roseanne Barr that, uh, or one of the things about the uh, comments that were made uh, and allowed on ABC was they were, for the most part, politically motivated comments. Where Roseanne Barr, it was pure racism. I mean, on its face. It also could be that in the marketplace of ideas... Uh, saying what those people said about Are, those things just is not as hot button as once again comparing a black person to, to an, an ape, ape or a monkey. Yep. Uh, also, and I think it's uh, a kind of we're sort of used to it, much like we're used to President Trump doing what he does and saying what he does, uh, what he says, sort of be, has become wallpaper. Uh, whereas uh, Roseanne Barr saying what she says is not wallpaper. That is explosive. But saying, saying something negative about the president and white and white supremacists love him, et cetera. How many times have we heard that? Yeah. Uh, it, it's sort of now just it's a, just doing business. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Uh, even though I think Trump has a point saying, hey, you're apologizing for this and you didn't apologize uh, to me for that. I think it's an argument. Well, then all the all the networks, all the newspapers, all the magazines, they need to set up. You know how when they cover a big event, sometimes they just have one pool reporter that represents all of the agencies. They all need to set up one television station, newspaper, magazine. That's just the apology channel to apologize 24 oh, seven for all the other stuff that's being said in all of the media we that had, somebody doesn't like. We had an apology uh, situation uh, here on KFI. Uh, when I was uh, early days on this show, uh, I offended one or two uh, ethnicities and religions. And, Do you? Uh, well, That's I, the understatement what? of the century Well, in any right case, there. and people were bitching so much that I just set up an apology hotline. We just uh, had you call the number, and it was just a voicemail effectively a recording hi this is bill handel and i want to apologize too and then i would have a list and then i would jokingly say just press the number for uh you know number one catholics number two jews number three muslims italians 
Uh, just I went down the whole list. You had pressed the button. So I just want to let you know, I truly apologize to anybody that I have offended. People would call in to the apology hotline. To get their apology. Yeah. And then people got even more pissed off at me because I was making fun of them demanding an apology. People love to be apologized to. They really do. Uh, you know who maybe does deserve an apology? And you brought this up yesterday. All the people who are out of a job because of her tweet. Yeah. And we're going to really dive into this one at 7 o'clock. Uh, the morality clause that we're talking about that we have here and uh, what's going on, who gets paid, who doesn't get paid. And it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating because that's now kicked up a whole discussion. And how Roseanne actually has an argument to still get paid. How is that possible? I'm going to tell right. you. She may be the only person who comes out of this with a chunk of cash. Yeah, well, Goodman is going to come out yeah, of it. And also, Sarah Metcalf, Metcalf or, and Gilbert. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Sarah they're Gilbert going to come out of this Lori because Metcalf. their contract says yeah. they get paid. It's a pay or play. Yeah. Uh, and they just renegotiated. Right. And, uh, you know, for example, a lot of us here have a pay or play. Uh, not if we break the morality clause, but let's say uh, the station decides tomorrow. Uh, that it's going to flip format, formats. It's going to go from uh, news talk radio to Farsi folk songs in Fresno with uh, Mukhtar Akbar as your host. And, uh, hey, I still get paid. Now, not if I say something crazy like she did. That's gone. And we'll talk more about that also uh, later on uh, at uh, 7 o'clock. There's a world of that. Let's take a quick break and uh, let's, uh, let's do some Farsi folk songs. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Now oh, I want to hear. With a, it's, it's Farsi with a twang. <laughs> There's a famous Farsi folk song, Blowing in the Wind, except the wind is blowing in Iran. Uh, yes. <laughs> Please. KFI handle here on a uh, Thursday morning. More handle on the news. Jennifer Jones Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. But before we go into that, Law Day is coming. Saturday, June 16th, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., the Bowers Museum in Santa Ana. Over 100 legal experts from HandleOnTheLaw.com. Free legal advice in virtually every field of law. A live broadcast of Handle on the Law live. A lot because it's live and we're doing a live broadcast. Uh, from 9 to 11 o'clock, just in case you didn't understand, uh, free seminars. We win you win prizes throughout the day. Uh, log on to KFIAM640.com. The keyword is Law Day, and it's sponsored by Cunning Dental. Loose or missing teeth, call Cunning Dental for a free exam and CT scan. Call 888-640-SMILE. Law Day, Saturday, June 16th at the Bowers Museum. Okay, let's move on with a handle on the news. Well, we now know where the shooter from Parkland, Florida, the one who shot up the high school, where he planned out what he was going to do. Yeah, I laid it out. I mean, just on his cell phone. On three different videos, and he talks about, I'm going to go to Uber this afternoon. From there, I'll go into the school campus, walk upstairs, unload my bags. I mean, it was yep. detailed. Get my AR, shoot people down at the man. What is it? The main courtyard. Wait and people will die. Just laid it out. Of course, there was no way the authorities could find that out 
beforehand. Right, they picked absolutely. up the evidence. It's, I don't think it was a Facebook post or anything. It was just uh, on his cell phone. So it's not as anybody missed that. Will they use that to say that there was total premeditation in this and that it wasn't just that he snapped or yes. something like that? Yeah, probably. I have some of his audio if you want to hear it. Sure. Hear it. Yeah. My goal is at least 20 people with an AR-15 and a couple trace rounds. I think I can do a good done. Location is Stone Douglas in Parkland, Florida. It's going to be a big event. How how chilling is that? Wow. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this game that was going to come out, Active Shooter, where you could play as a school shooter. Well, the Steam game streaming service has removed the game. And the gaming company. Yes, and the entire company, but not not necessarily because of the uh, offensive content of the game. Somebody from Valve, which is the parent company of Steam, was talking to PC Gamer, and they said the developer of the game, uh, we had to take previous games down from this guy because he has a history of customer abuse, publishing copyrighted material, and user review manipulation. So Steam may not be acting out of... Uh, a well, sense of morality here. Well, they may be like, we just don't want to do business with that, this guy. That's throwing out the company. However, pulling the uh, game itself uh, under public pressure, they had to do it under any circumstances. Uh, they weren't going to go, well, maybe they would because uh, it's out there and uh, th- authorities can't stop it. It's a First Amendment issue. And if they said go pound uh, sand, that's the way it goes. But they, I th- they sort of caught the uh, flavor of what's going on. Well, they thought they were going to go do a probation check. In fact, cops ended up finding an arsenal of weapons. I mean, my brother and I did a lot together, but I don't remember us ever yeah. collecting weapons. But apparently it was a brother and sister thing yep. going on in Glendale. Yep. Five handguns in the house. Three assault uh, rifles. Uh, six uh, other rifles. Hundreds of rounds of ammunition. Uh, six AR-15 lower mechanisms. I don't know what that is. Uh, nunchucks, high-capacity magazines, uh, cocaine. I'm looking at a picture of these two. They're very attractive. Usually when you look at mugshots, you immediately reach for a plastic bag you know, or a paper sack. Not in this case. Classic case in point, Nick Nolte with his mugshot when he was picked up for drunk driving. Remember uh, that? Yeah, but he was not at his best in that moment. <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on. If there's ever a mugshot of you, I don't think you're going to look that great either. Oh, well, wow. at least my hair isn't going to be all frizzled. Well, that's true. It's <laughs> a great point. <laughs> a 12-year-old girl was killed during target practice. Sydney Darnell doing target practice with a lever action 22 rifle with her mother. Um, her mother's boyfriend. And her mother's boyfriend, right. And here's what happened. So, so little Sydney shot the rifle. And she wanted to go downrange to look at the target. She lays the rifle down on the deck. She goes down to look at the target. This guy, Sean Frick, the mother's boyfriend, he notices that she left the gun loaded and with the hammer cocked. So he decides, well, let me make this safe. And as he's lowering the hammer, the gun goes off and shoots her right in the head. A pure accident. Mm. No, not a pure accident. You think he was negligent? Well, I don't know, legally, but that's not an accident. First of all, 
if you're going to do that, you don't point it downrange and there's a person downrange. You immediately move it over before you, you can, do anything. You find another place. I don't know where this range was. I don't know if they had an unloading can or what they have, but you don't point it downrange where a person has gone. Number two, who allowed this girl to shoot a gun without drilling into her head not to lay it down when it's loaded with the hammer cock. So as far as I'm concerned, this is human error this is Mr. that Wep- killed this girl. This is weapons maven here, where if the police ever were to do a, sh- uh, a search of Wayne's house, they would think that there was a group of people uh, that were anticipating the apocalypse. Compared to some of the people who walk through the doors of this radio station, <laughs> compared to them, I have nothing. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Sure, why not? Handle here on a uh, Thursday. Big stories that we're covering, of course, Roseanne. Uh, a whole lot going on there still. And uh, we're going to talk about that at 7 o'clock. Dive a little deeper into that. And that crazy Russian journalist, uh, murder, sort of not murder, uh, that's a big story, too. All right, let's go back and finish up. I just got a couple of President Trump stories really fast, if you want them. He has announced a full pardon for conservative filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza. He said he was treated unfairly by the government. He was the filmmaker who was sentenced to five years probation in 2014 after he broke campaign finance laws. Remember that guy? And then also this morning, we had confirmation. This was assumed it was going to happen. But just five minutes ago, President Trump uh, announced tariffs on steel and aluminum will, in fact, in, uh, impact the EU, Canada and Mexico. Right. So those are now. Does that mean that they're they're kicking in or that they will impact? They will. Uh, so it'll do be we have a 25 percent tariff. Do we have a date when they kick in? Uh, yes. It will. Let's see. He uh, Let's see. President announced the tariffs in March. Uh, let's see. I don't actually know. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't have that, but it'll be a 25% tariff on imported aluminum. And the, the futures this morning, when we started talking about this might happen, didn't seem like it was really impactful. All of a sudden now we're down 150 points. Hmm. So I don't know. We'll see if that's the cause of it. All right. Okay. Uh, there- back we go. Bless you, Bill. Thank you. Oh, bless you. Thank you. Um, So you remember that story earlier this week that we did about the robber who was shot through the window of the Cozy Corner restaurant in Santa Ana? Yeah. Well, turns out that guy is probably responsible for a whole lot of other robberies. Now, quick side note, they're still looking for the vigilante who shot the robber through the drive-thru window of the Cozy Corner restaurant, and they believe that there were a few people in the car. But anyway, this guy... Uh, they say that they think that he robbed a young couple, carjacked some people, robbed a food truck, and there was a fourth incident that they're not saying mm. other than it was at a Boost Mobile store before he went on his robbery spree mm. at the Cozy Corner restaurant. And is it fair to say, uh, based on the shooting, that the corner is not so cozy? Oh. Uh, Assemblywoman Christina Garcia was accused of groping a guy. An investigation cleared her. Now the guy is appealing. Dirty deeds and the what does he have to do with it? He's not being charged with anything. Because they cleared her and he's saying, well, no, she really did grope me. Right, but you were unfair to me, the victim, by clearing her. Uh, I don't understand how her being cleared somehow uh, affects him legally at all. 
It doesn't affect him legally, but he is still he has a I lawyer. And what's going to happen is the the chair and vice chair of the rules committee will invil, will, will uh, review the investigators' no. full report. And if they decide, though, yeah, he didn't really get a fair evaluation of his complaint. I suppose they could open it up again. But it's not an evalu. It's not his complaint. They're evaluating. It's not about him. It's about her. Well, it's his complaint against her. I it, understand. It would be like going to the cops and saying. Uh, this guy raped me, right. and they look into it and go, we don't think there's enough to charge, and right. then you somehow have a mechanism to make them look at it again. And there is no mechanism. Well, there is, which is this review of the well, investigation that's, no, that's by the chair they, and the vice that's chair. That's only because they've agreed to it. Yes. Okay. Oh, well, interesting story. Yeah. LGBTQ immigrant detainees are reporting sexual assault at higher rates. Yeah, I mean, that's no surprise. You know, you would think they would. Well, but they make up 0.14% of immigrant detain, detainees last year by ICE, but accounted for more than 12% that's of a, the alleged victim that's sexual a, abuse That well. is a stunning statistic. Yeah. That really is. But no surprise. Uh, I, Yeah. It's, uh, I, unfortunately, I don't view this as a big news item. It, I would think it's a given based on the way... Just how it works. So. Victimizers always go for whoever they think is the most vulnerable right. and the most, in this case, sort of disenfranchised. Uh, the city attorney in Los Angeles is finally cracking down on the illegal stores. City attorney Mike Fuhrer said uh, they filed 36 criminal cases against 140 people in 32 shops. Woo! You could get up to six months in jail or a $1,000 fine. Tell me that's not worth the risk to bring in $200,000 a week or yeah. whatever the hell they're bringing it's in. That's true. Not, not to mention uh, <laughs> that's like 0.1% of the illegal pot stores in the yeah, city. It's crazy. Well, the former USC med school dean... His attorney says, yeah, he used hard drugs while he worked at the university, but he's been in recovery and should be allowed to practice medicine. Yeah. Now the drugs don't work. And the addiction here, I love this argument, was not with the drugs that he used, the hard drugs. The addiction was to the hooker that he was involved in. Ah. It's funnier than that. His Did- lawyer is saying, this is Carmen uh, Pugliafito, was the, uh, the med- school, medical school dean. The, the lawyer's saying he has a mental illness that makes him a brilliant man and with so much energy that he got addicted to this prostitute who turned him on to the hard drugs. They just described a, a manic. Right. That's it. Just someone who has uh, a uh, maybe manic depressive without the depressive part. Right. There are people that are just manic, and I mean to the point where they're seriously mentally ill. And uh, he actually, well, I mean, it's an argument that's going to be used, and you can bet that it's going to be nothing but psychologists on both sides screaming uh, yes, no, no, yes. And uh, one last thing. Maybe they can wean him off the methamphetamine with a little death wish coffee. Jen, I know you talked about this earlier uh, with Guy Adami. It's basically a super high caffeine coffee. Being sold Uh, at, uh, what, at Walmart? 
It's going to be at, yeah. Yeah, Walmart's Walmart going to start stocking 9th. it. And they All have right. the little the little cup little for your Keurig yeah, style coffee maker. Yeah. And basically it just has an incredible amount of caffeine, yeah, but, a dangerous amount of but caffeine. so do basically. those little bottles of... Uh, Five-hour energy. Yeah, it's all it's all caffeine. So it just, it, all it does is you buzz around like you're on meth and uh, then uh, you die of a heart attack. There you go. And your teeth rot either way. Either way. We're done, guys. Uh, coming up, the Roseanne Barr story, but the next chapter, uh, that is what's happening to the rest of the crew and cast and the morality clause. That is a big one because that's what they got her on. And uh, a lot of us have uh, one of those clauses. And uh, if you have a contract of any kind, chances are you have a morality clause in there. I'll talk about that when we come back. This is KFI AM 640. No sleep till! KFI handle here on a uh, Thursday morning, May 31. Uh, Some of the big stories that we're covering. uh, We now know uh, that uh, three cell phone videos... That were recorded by Florida school shooter Nick uh, shooter Nicholas Cruz talked about in very specific detail about his plans to uh, commit the uh, shooting. So uh, we'll talk about that obviously a little later. And Roseanne, matter of fact, let's talk about Roseanne right now. And uh, the ABC did something extraordinary uh, after that tweet uh, about uh, Valerie Jarrett, totally racist tweet. Uh, ABC in a matter of hours. Uh, canceled Roseanne biggest their biggest hit of the season I mean they were making a lot of money and we're going to make a lot of money to shut it down and the issue immediately became uh and I don't think anybody's upset about Roseanne I mean she deserves it Roseanne Barr is just a piece of work we did uh, yesterday we talked about Roseanne Barr she's a conspiracy theorist uh she is a racist uh, she was believes that 9-11 was an inside job. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. So uh, no one is upset about her. Matter of fact, a lot of people are thrilled. The problem was, what do you do with all the employees? And there are two categories of employees on that show. People who had a contract pay or play, uh, which means that they get paid come hell or high water according to the terms of the contract. We're now talking about, the, of course, the stars. Uh, also, the top technical people, they're still going to get paid. It's everybody else that's going to get nailed. Uh, the people who can least afford it. And so that's one issue. And then the other issue is her right to do this. Now, there is a morality clause in every single one of these contracts Every contract that I know of involving uh, showbiz, as you were, and we here are sort of peripherally showbiz. I wouldn't call us showbiz, but it, it close. And uh, we all who have a contract have a morality clause. And it is uh, typical stuff uh, that she had in her clause. And uh, there actually is a copy of uh, her contract. Uh, that uh, it was just a talent contract. It was the clause hers and everybody else's. And this is off the 10th season of Roseanne, but it's the same language that everybody has in this business. A suspension or termination is warranted if the artist at any time commits any act or omission 
constituting a felony, a misdemeanor, or other violation of criminal law, an intentional tort, which is beyond negligence. For example, you get into a car accident, uh, that's an accident. If you uh, speed at such a rate that you that it's already reckless, that's intentional. Uh, you've got uh, reckless conduct, gross negligence, or other malfeasance. And here is the big one. Anything that causes producers or the network to incur public dispute or humiliation, contempt, scandal, or ridicule, that insults or offends the community or any substantial group thereof qualifies as grounds for termination. That is so wide. That is so all-encompassing that in reality, if a network or an iHeartMedia decided you're gone and there was any reason to toss you at all, for example, opening this show with something totally offensive that would cause contempt, scandal, or ridicule that insults. Huh. What time do we, what time does the six o'clock uh, show open here when we open our program? About uh, 6.05? Yeah. By 6.06, yeah. I have already violated my morality clause here at KFI. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I would argue, but it's my job. That's what you hired me for. That would be a legal argument. And Roseanne has a legal argument saying, first of all, it's a First Amendment right. Now, they have a right to terminate the show because they have a right under any circumstances to terminate the show. I mean, that's clear. Uh, They have the right here to terminate my show as long as they keep me on the air or pay me. They can say we're moving someone else into this slot. Uh, They can flip the format. As I said earlier, Farsi folk songs from Fresno. They could do that. Changed the format of the uh, station, which they did, incidentally, in 1989. It was Big Band, and they flipped to All Talk. A lot of stations do that. So they have the, under under any contract, they have a right to do that. Now the issue is, does the talent, that's hilarious that they actually refer to those of us as talent. Even in the contract, we're talent. Man, there is your gross misdemeanor. Uh, it is absolutely hilarious. Uh, I once asked the director of the Bob Hope movies. I met him, and he was an old guy. And I said, wow, uh, so, you know, when you direct movies, you know, how complicated is that? And he said, here's uh, what you direct. You tell the actors to walk around the furniture instead of through it. That is directing. Okay, got it. And that's pretty much the same here. So, Uh, The argument that Roseanne has is I have a First Amendment right to say anything I want. And this had nothing to do with the show. This was a personal tweet. And, of course, does ABC have the right to terminate her? Of course they do. Now her only issue is does she have the right to get paid under the contract? And usually a negotiation is had. And usually some money changes hands. Although this time, I have a feeling that ABC just may just hold uh, firm uh, because, you know, it's expensive to litigate and there's an argument. I think this one, the more it's litigated, the better ABC looks. And so, uh, believe me, she's going to have an attorney. Believe me, she's going to go and file a lawsuit. I mean, that's a given. And what's going to happen to the show? There may be a spinoff. Sarah Gilbert is already talking to ABC. They're considering it. 
the three major stars, the other three stars are absolutely going to get paid under their contract because they did nothing wrong. And it's going to be the rest of the people. It's going to be hilarious. Well, not for those people who are out of work, but uh, as uh, the legal aspects of this pan out, you'll see. Okay, Uh, coming up. It's uh, this weird, weird murder, not murder case. And it makes the point that news is fake. At least it's an argument. And uh, that's coming up. KFI handle here on a uh, Thursday, May 31. Uh, Some of the big stories that we're covering that are trending. Obviously, Roseanne keeps on going. And it, uh, now the issue is what's happening with the rest of the cast and crew. And uh, the argument is she going to walk away with some money at all. And uh, the morality clause uh, that's in her contract. And uh, the Stoneman Douglas shooter. Uh, we now have three cell phone videos, which uh, Nicholas Cruz made uh, describing in detail and specificity how he was going to shoot up the high school and how many people he wanted to kill. It's absolutely chilling. All right. A story that at first glance seems to be eh, not such a big story because it has to do with Ukrainians and Russia and setting up a murder that didn't happen. But it actually is fairly important because it goes beyond the facts and goes right into uh, this is fake news. Guess what? Uh, This isn't the only fake news because it's about Russia. All right. There is a reporter, Arkady Babchenko, reported to have been murdered on Tuesday. The accused murderer, the Kremlin. Babchenko is an opponent of uh, Putin and has done several investigations into uh, Russian foreign investigations or foreign incursions. So there's a photo of him lying face down in a pool of blood. The police in uh, Kiev, Ukraine's capital, said he was found by his wife. And he died on the way to the hospital from multiple gunshot wounds. So the next day, during a news conference held by Ukrainian security officials to discuss the murder, in walks who? Bobchenko. First of all, he says, I'd like to apologize uh, that all of you had to live through this because I know the horrible feeling when you have to bury your colleagues separately. I want to apologize to my wife for all the hell she had gone through because she had no idea. Of this plot. So let's, here's the visual. Okay. Uh, Ukrainian officials, uh, press conference about this murder, and they have no idea other than the reporting of the murder, and in walks the victim. However, the head of the security service, Vasily Gritsak, explains this was all part of a sting. Why? To prevent an actual assassination against Bobchenko. So ABC is reporting that a Ukrainian lawmaker, an advisor to the interior minister, said that the assailant, the real assailant, had waited on the staircase and shot Bobchenko in the back as he was going to buy bread. All of this trouble was actually to prevent an an actual assassination because the assailant on the staircase really wasn't there on the staircase. And there was already a suspected assassination plot in place after the murder, because they wanted to catch the real assailant. And it was a Ukrainian citizen alleged to have been paid $40,000 by 
Russian Security Service. Here's where it gets interesting, and here's where uh, this thing actually has some legs. Okay? $40,000 by a Russian security service to organize and carry out the hit. And this man, in turn, allegedly hired an acquaintance to be the gunman. And uh, the same man was also supposed to obtain large quantities of weapons, explosives, including 300 AK-47 and hundreds of kilos of explosives to commit terrorist acts. So here's what's going on. Ukraine and Russia are constantly accusing each other of everything, fabricating claims. And this is one of the few times in which the Russians are being given a rare opportunity to claim the high ground because this is part of fake news. And people from all over the world, organizations from all over the world, are calling this entire plot a terrible idea, especially with the American war on fake news. See, that's where it ties to us. Why? Because we're talking about what the Russians are doing. This was an accusation against the Russians, which turned out to have all kinds of factual issues at stake. Wait a sec. None of this makes sense. Uh, The Russians, uh, in fact, didn't do what they did. And the reporting of it is fake. So what does that give Russia? Well, the opportunity to translate that and say, we are a victim of fake news. Therefore, when you hear accusations against us by, for example, the U.S. press of wrongdoing, of meddling in the elections, for example, in the 26 elections, keep in mind, it's fake news. Case in point, this fake murder of Arkady Bobchenko, in which we, the Russians, were accused of trying to, uh, in fact, uh, assassinate him. And it turned out not to be true. Therefore, and it was covered, by the way, this was internationally covered, this story. Therefore, if that's fake, then the other allegations are fake. So uh, what happens here? Oh, this story is going to go away. But as uh, the uh, the meddling of the election story continues on, uh, the Mueller investigation, for example, I think what happens is the Russians are given more ammunition here to uh, argue fake news. And, of course, I think even though we haven't heard anything from the Trump administration, I think the Trump administration is going to be using this to establish that fake news exists and you can't trust any of the major news outlets, except for Fox, of course. All right, coming up, Jane Wells joins us. The Las Vegas strike. And what does that mean? It's big news for Las Vegas, that's for sure. And how many, uh, what percentage do you think uh, people come from uh, California to Las Vegas? Oh, I don't know, 70%? When's the last time you went? How many people? Raise your hands. Because uh, I can't see, because this is radio. How many of you have gone to Las Vegas? Yep, exactly. Thank you. That's coming up. KFI AM 640. Queen of Las Vegas. Queen of Las Vegas. 
high handle here on a Thursday morning, May 31. Law Day is coming. That's right. Law Day 2018, uh, Saturday, June 16th from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Bowers Museum in Santa Ana. Over 100 legal experts from HandleOnTheLaw.com. Free legal advice in virtually every field of law. A live broadcast of Handle on the Law, 9 to 11 o'clock. I'll be there. You can scream at me. I'll scream at you. Free seminars. You win prizes throughout the day. Log on to KFIAM640.com. The keyword is Law Day. And it's sponsored by the People's Attorney of Southern California, Sweet James Bergener. Go to SweetJames.com. It's Law Day, Saturday, June 16th. All right. You can cut the music now. Okay, promo's over. Thank you, John. All right. Uh, Las Vegas and the strike. And the only reason we give a rats about Las Vegas is that we all go to Las Vegas. So when uh, next time I go to Las Vegas... Uh, Jane Wells, am I going to have to uh, bust my own table? Uh, well, we'll find out after midnight tonight. Uh, 50,000 union workers who are housekeepers, bartenders, cocktail servers, bellhops, not the gaming table guys, not the dealers, but everybody else will bring you a drink or bring you clean towels. They voted to strike. It's not clear if they'll actually walk out at the midnight deadline. Uh, it's at 34 properties here, mostly owned by MGM Resorts or Caesars. Um, and they're still negotiating, so there's a chance that they may continue negotiating past the deadline and not walk out. But we'll have to see. If uh, I'm here at Las Vegas, at the Las Vegas sign right now, waiting to see if I'm going to have to get myself my own my time. So uh, what, what do they want? What does the union want for its workers, and why is uh, management balking? There's a few things they want. They want higher pay, basically, on average, maybe a dollar an hour more. Uh, but bigger issues that they're talking about are technology. The union wants to say, and how quickly technology is adopted, uh, which is starting to automate and remove some of their jobs. For example, I never check out at the checkout desk anymore. I do it on my phone or on, in the monitor in the room. But even bartenders are automating more. So they're very concerned about losing jobs. They want to be retrained to maybe handle the machines or whatever. Another interesting issue is they want stronger anti-sexual harassment policies, including those involving customers. The union surveyed 10,000 employees and asked them, hey, have you been sexually harassed? And over half of the cocktail waitresses said, of course I have. But also, more than one in four of the housekeepers said they had. So those are some of the issues that they're talking about. Now, yeah, just a, a quick one, and I'm asking you as a woman who obviously understands business in a big way. Uh, you have a cocktail waitress, and uh, especially in Las Vegas, dressed very provocatively. They're pumping alcohol down these customers' throats as far as fast as they can. Uh, especially in the bar areas where the drinks are eight ten dollars, and what do they think is going to happen? Uh, and are they shocked that it's happening? Well, you know, it's interesting, Bill, because this is a town where you're allowed to misbehave, where it's kind of like anything goes. Well, apparently now in a Me Too movement, a uh, movement, uh, not everything goes. You know, Steve Wynn lost his job. And there's a feeling along in Las Vegas that not only do they need to have company policies that are stricter against sexual harassment, 
but they need people coming to Las Vegas to treat the employees yeah. here better. And do, I don't know if it's Las Vegas anymore then. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the and is the union in asking for a new policy of sexual harassment? Are they defining what sexual harassment is? Uh, I don't think it's gotten quite down to that. They want stricter. They just want quote stricter policies. I ha- you know they're negotiating separately with the separate properties. It is interesting. I mentioned Steve Wynn. The Wynn properties are not part of this contract. There will be no strike there. Oh, interesting. Same with Los- Same with the Venetian. Same with the Trump Tower. Same with the Cosmopolitan. Those things will still continue as as normal unless. This strike actually happens and has legs, and people generally start avoiding coming here. They haven't recovered. Tourism numbers are still down since the shooting in October, especially convention visitors. They're oh. down almost 8% so far this year. Right. So the city isn't quite where it was before the shooting, and now this. Okay, and one last one. Uh, as you mentioned that the unions are concerned about technology and automation, uh, are they being a bunch of Luddites and saying, slow down the uh, the robot? or the computerization, the technology that you're bringing in there. Uh, we want you to not buy that gizmo that makes drinks, for example. They want to say and how quickly that technology is adopted. And if there can be other jobs for humans created around supporting that technology so that all of their jobs do not go away. Yeah, I find that. uh, And what do you do? How many they're going to establish what management is going to do in terms of technology. And I love this because if you're looking at uh, a bunch of uh, bars uh, that have uh, robots effectively making the drinks and you would have uh, and again, let's say 25 bartenders, you can need one person that has to maintain that equipment. And so are they arguing you find jobs for 25 people? They want to say in that. I mean, this is not just Vegas, Bill. Every industry is dealing with automation, which is more efficient, can run 24-7. You don't have to feed it, uh, and it it doesn't need benefits. Uh, So this is just one city, one industry that is dealing with a much, much bigger issue of where are the jobs in the future. Uh, Jane, thank you so much. You bet. All right, Jane Wells uh, from Las Vegas. Uh, Jane heard on uh, CNBC. She's a reporter there and, of course, uh, covers uh, financial, uh, the financial world for us, too. Okay, coming up, I'm going to go to the other side of this. We're workers uh, where you have companies that are so desperate to keep and hire good workers. What is Walmart doing? Well, they're doing something extraordinary, and I'll share that with you when we come back. KFI AM 640. Okay, uh, Jennifer Jones. KFI handle here on a Thursday morning. Some of the top stories that we are covering. The Roseanne Barr story continues. Uh, She got fired, of course, as you know. And what's going to happen to the crew? What's going to happen to uh, the cast? What is ABC going to do? All of that. So uh, I talked about that at 7 o'clock this morning. And then the Stoneman Douglas shooter. uh, Three cell phone videos released uh, that uh, the shooter, Nicholas Cruz, made. Uh, absolutely chilling, just chilling. Also, we have the house whisper later on to toilets, toilets, and uh, that's coming up at nine o'clock. You don't want to miss that. All right, now, uh, unemployment is almost non-existent uh, today, uh, except for a few fields, and you would think that retail would be one of those 
that uh, was not affected by the unemployment figures. Rongo bongo. Uh, Walmart can't get enough people. So here, in, and when you can't get enough people, supply and demand. So since they're looking for retail clerks and they don't have enough of them, what happens? You just start paying more. You just start paying more. So uh, earlier this year, Walmart raised its starting hourly wage from 9 to 11 bucks. Imagine a two hour, uh, $2 raise. It's 20%, like o- overnight. Began offering paid parental leave, adoption benefits to full-time employees. Now, if you had worked for Walmart and you have five years ago, 10 years ago, and I, and I told you this story, you're, gone, you're out of your mind. Uh, Target is raising its minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2020. And now we're talking about livable wage. And it was only crazy-ass liberals and me that are into, uh, that are into livable wages. Uh, Starbucks offering paid sick leave stock grants to its baristas, training in how to throw out black people in various ways. Isn't that what their training was? Or do they have that? I have that wrong. Yeah, thank you. It's backwards. Okay. So here is uh, what Walmart is offering. And this is a big, big deal. They are offering a college education for employees, as in any employee. And Walmart will cover the costs of tuition, books, and fees. And the employees will be required to pay tuition a buck a day. Degrees will be offered by the University of Florida, that's in Gainesville, Brandman University in Irvine, Bellevue, uh, Bellevue University in Nebraska, all nonprofits, and they have online programs for working adults. So this is mainly online degrees. Now, uh, one of the things I was talking to Alex about this this morning is that an online degree, is it worth anything? It used to be where, uh, come on, online degrees, that's like doctors who go to uh in Mexico for uh, their medical training, medical school. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a medical school sort of kind of. Yeah, okay. Uh, changing. It's changing because of our use of the Internet, because we're becoming so reliant and the Internet is so much part of our lives, it, we're getting to the point where it's not going to be too much longer where an Internet degree is going to be just as valid. And we're reaching that point. So... Uh, this is a relatively big deal. And incidentally, uh, the tuition is no small matter here either. And they're going to go ahead. Walmart is going to ha- uh, going to go to, uh, ahead to do this. Uh, a mil- 1.4 million part-time, full-time, salaried Walmart and sub uh, Sam's Club empo- employees are eligible. And uh, they figure there's going to be, well, uh, what is the uh, the figure uh, that they think how many they're going to get? Uh, in the millions, they think it's going to approach uh, pretty close to everybody who uh, is a proper age who is thinking of it. So I don't know what the percentage is. We're gonna, they don't even know at this point, but they just they're figuring it's going to be a good, good part of their employee base. Uh, incidentally, other companies do this. Chipotle, uh, Chipotle uh, Mexican Grill, provides its workers as much as $5,000 in annual tuition assistance, plus training in how to make E. coli burritos. Starbucks. Do I have that you wrong? You have that one wrong, too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Starbucks 
giving employees a full ride to Arizona State University for undergrad degrees in more than 60 subjects. Where Walmart is different, it says it'll pay its workers to go to school, but it's limited to two degrees, business or supply chain management. Now, I didn't even know that that existed, but it makes so much sense. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, when you think about it, uh, especially in today's day and age, uh, the way the supply chain works, that is complicated stuff. And so uh, they're moving in a, in a whole different direction. It's going to, and, and the benefits were only for the high-tech businesses. You, go, you work for Google. You work for Apple. Uh, you work for Microsoft. You get every, ping pong tables and uh, free food at the cafeteria and dog sitting and, I mean, just all of it. It's incredible. Uh, the vending machines that just spew out candy and spew out potato chips. But then again, those people work 18-hour days. Walmart, you don't. Walmart, you work a regular shift. It's pretty neat stuff that uh, they're doing. And uh, God forbid we get to the point where it becomes a livable wage. I have a very, very tough time uh, paying someone a wage, a working person, less than what it costs to even eat. I have a very hard time with that. I've been doing a story all morning about a Chick-fil-A owner in Sacramento who is raising his wages to 17 to $18 an hour because he's decided that that's what a livable wage is in Sacramento. It makes all the sense to me. I mean, if you don't have a livable wage, you're, you're just better off on welfare. I mean, what difference does it make? So that's another topic I've been talking about for years and years. Okay, coming up, success from scratch. And... Uh, This is a company that I grew up with. And every single item, every single item that they produced, I had. I mean, every one. And I'll tell you that story uh, when we come back. KFI AM 640. Wake me up before you go, go. On a Thursday morning. Oh, so much to cover today. Uh, big stories that we're covering trending Roseanne. Uh, it's uh, episode number two of the Roseanne show. And this one has to do with how many cast members are going to get paid, how many people are not going to get paid. Is there going to be a spinoff? Uh, the morality clause, why ABC fired her under her contract. And is she going to get some money anyway? And so I, I did that at seven o'clock this morning. And the Stoneman Douglas shooter. Three cell phone videos, chilling, chilling videos that have come out. All right, let's do something fun because there's so much negative news out there. And that's a success from scratch story brought to you by Lifteek. Look years younger without facelift surgery. Go to Lifteek.com. Now, uh, a company that I have known since I've been a kid. I mean, just a little one. As a matter of fact, I... My earliest memories going back to when I arrived in the United States when I was five years old are the toys that my dad and mom bought me. I mean, at five, six years old. And the ones that I remember specifically, I'm not going to talk about the dolls that I had, uh, little frilly dolls, because that is just between uh, me and my therapist. But I'm talking about the toys from Whammo. Remember Whammo? 
The hula hoop had one of those. The frisbee had a bunch of those. Slip and slide had those. I think they did the yo-yos too, if I'm not mistaken. The colored yo-yos and the ones that you would that would generate all the sparkles. I was pretty good at I was a pretty good yo-yoer. I really wasn't. Not as good as uh, President Trump is, but a pretty good yo-yoer. Uh, these toys have been a staple for generations of kids. So where do they come from? Well, of course, the Whammo Company. But do you know the history of the Whammo Company? It's a company that's had tremendous success, then tremendous failure, then success again, then failure. You talk about a yo-yo? That's what this company is in the world of business. So how did this start? Two USC graduates, uh, Richard Nair and uh, Arthur Spud Mellon, I'll just call him Spud, uh, started Whammo in uh, their garage in Pasadena. Now, there is there are very few mistakes when it comes to people who uh, are successful in business. I mean, it's no accident. People start at a very young age. And we've talked about and I've interviewed people, kids. You know how well they're going to do. Warren Buffett, for example, as a young, young man, was already in the world of finance. So the, this isn't a big surprise, either with these guys. For example, Nair, when he was nine years old, he made rubber band guns from old apple crates and sold them to his friends in the neighborhood. Spud Mellon... Caught and sold halibut door-to-door. Who the hell sells halibut door-to-door? And I'm assuming the older, the cheaper? Figure it out. So the two meet at USC and become friends. And in their 20s, look at this, how weird this story gets. In their 20s, they develop an interest in falconry. How's that for weird? And uh, in order to train the birds in the air... They devised a slingshot to shoot food in the air so the falcons could grab the food mid-flight and then land on their arm. So a local barber suggested you should sell these things. So they bought a handsaw at Sears and began making wooden slingshots that they sold through magazine ads. This was back in 1948. And the company name Whammo, where do they get that? It's after the sound that the slingshot projectiles made when they hit the target. Whammo. It's a great name for a, a company, for sure. It's like when you throw up. That's the name of the company that uh, first started with the uh, anti-vomit drugs. Did you know that? That's not true. So these two men had an off-kilter approach to designing toys, and it made their products stand out. Boy, I remember that. So uh, the other big toy makers, uh, Mattel, Hasbro, these two didn't have to deal with any complicated corporate rules, right? They didn't have to worry about meetings. They didn't have to worry about OKs from management and then going off to advertising agencies. If they liked the idea, they just went ahead and implemented it immediately, and they did have a research and development team. They're kids. And they did have commercials. Got to remember those commercials. They were so cheesy. They were shot in their backyards. Uh, but I'll tell you who they were. They are very clever about toy design, marketing, cost savings. 
I actually remember these commercials. Now, keep in mind, we're going back when I was five, six, seven, eight years old, and these stand out so vividly. So if you remember uh, a bowling set that they had, and the set arrived with empty plastic pins, you put water in the pins to give them the weight so they wouldn't have to ship heavy pins to the retailers. And uh, so when they wanted to put their unique spin on catch, right, the game of catch, uh, what they did is uh, they selected a plastic flying disc. Oh, yeah. And it was uh, being sold by Fred Morrison. Morrison came up with the idea in 1938 when he was tossing a cake pan back and forth on the beach with his fiance. Someone offered to buy it for 25 cents. I guess cake pans uh, were fairly cheap in those days. Morrison originally called his disc the Pluto Platter. Well, the two guys, Wemo, bought the rights in 1957. They changed the name of the Pluto Platter to Frisbee. And, of course, a fad was born. Now, Frisbees have come back in a big, big way. Hundreds of Frisbee golf tournaments held each year. And it's uh, virtually every college and university has a Frisbee team. And, of course, you've seen those commercials with the dogs, right? How do you show a dog is healthy and you want to buy that dog, this dog food? Well, you throw a Frisbee and this little tiny Jack Russell Terrier jumps 28 feet in the air and grabs the Frisbee. Those are so ridiculous. I'll tell you what I'm going to be impressed when those commercials uh, come Uh, when they really do a good job, is when uh, these little terriers grab the Frisbee and throw it back with their paws. That is a visual. All right, coming back, the hula hoop. And do you remember those? I love the hula hoop. You bet. And then they had so many different kinds of hula hoops with the the lights and, I mean, all of it. So I'm going to come back and do the hula hoop story with Whammo. KFI AM640. I'm on tonight, and now my hips don't lie, and I'm starting to feel it's right. All the attraction, the tension, don't you see, baby, this is perfection. Hey, girl, I can see your body moving, and it's driving me crazy, and I Handle here on a uh, Thursday morning. Continuing on with our success from scratch story, and this is just a fun one. And uh, it's about the company Whammo. Started by a couple of SC graduates back in 1948. And the reason it's so much fun is the, the toys that they made, uh, they're so iconic. I remember as a kid growing up with these toys, the sip, slip and slide, uh, the Frisbee. I mean, as if you don't know who they are. One, or you don't know what those are. Okay, one of the big stories, huge success story. This one all over the world, the hula hoop. So uh, a friend visiting from Australia uh, showed these two guys this bamboo hoop that was used in fitness classes. They immediately said, okay, there's something here. And uh, they made one out of plastic. And during the hula hoop phase, they were manufacturing 50,000 of these per day. Everybody in America had a hula hoop. And it's a fad. It's ebbed and flowed over the years, died out in the 80s, and a few years later, uh, really gained popularity. It was due to a jam band called the String Cheese Incident, 
And what they do is they threw hula hoops to the audience. And all of a sudden, it picked up again. So a new trend was born called hooping. And hoopers in San Francisco started holding regular hoop jams with the music. And they were hooping to the music. Hooping groups spread to cities around the world. And to show you how iconic the hula hoop was, it was inducted into the Toy Hall of Fame in 1999. Now, remember the bouncing ball, the Super Bowl? Another Whammo product. So one day, Whammo is approached by a chemist, Norm Stingley. And his company had been working on a compound that had great kinetic energy. And uh, it was one of those accidental things that just come up, like Velcro, uh, like um, minoxidil. And uh, it was a ball that could bounce over a two-story house. And they spent two years searching for a way. How do you turn this into a toy? And the big problem is it had a very nasty habit of exploding when you bounced it too hard. Well, they manufactured it. The Super Bowl became a huge hit. Who didn't have one? They sold six million of them in 1965. The White House ordered 60 of them. Here's an urban myth. The Super Bowl was uh, named in reference to the Super Bowl. Okay. And over the years, uh, Whammo sold a bunch of toys. The Air Blaster could blow out a candle at 20 feet. I had one. The Slip and Slide, of course, uh, we all had one. The Monster Magnet. Silly String. And they still have Silly String in the cans. Uh, The Hacky Sack. They purchased that from the inventors in 1983. And then it went up and down. This company did not stop. In 82, the two guys sold the company to a toy maker, shifted production to Mexico, left, uh, laid off a bunch of staff. In 1994, Mattel buys the company, shuts down the warehouse. Uh, they weren't dealing with it well. They couldn't build a business. They didn't understand. I mean, Barbie and Hot Wheels were huge business. They didn't, they didn't understand Whammo. So uh, three years later, a new Whammo group buys the company from Mattel. And in 2002, a guy named Todd Richards takes over the company. He introduces the classics, updates some of them. Uh, growth, 20 to 25% per year. And then funding issues. So a Chinese firm buys the company in 2006. They move everything to China. No new products. Marketing budget slashed. And so just went in the toilet. And 2015 revenues had fallen by another 75%. Tiny little staff. They laid off everybody. And Whammo was sold again. And so the plan now is they're not touching the big retailers. They're going after the mid-tier regional chains, which the company had ignored for years. And, of course, they have to go to the Internet. And uh, they're doing fine. Uh, today, Whammo, uh, its success, an e-commerce site, uh, Amazon, and new products. Well, sort of old products. Uh, the hula hoop with LED lights. Uh, a redesigned square Frisbee. And they're getting money on, well, they're crowdsourcing on Kickstarter. I'm glad the company's still around. I just love the Whammo. And the commercials were so cheesy and they were so wonderful. And they were made on a budget of three cents. And it was absolutely terrific. Okay, coming up, handle on the news, late edition. Jennifer Jones. 
Handle on the news. Late edition. Handle on the news. It's 2018 and I'm Bill Handle. So you cannot shut me up. And now, here's Bill Handle. Oh, so true. So true. Guess what's coming? Guess what's coming? Guess- Law Day is coming. <laughs> Do it over. Do the whole thing no, over. No, it, okay. Guess what's coming? Law Day is coming. This is all about timing. Law Day. Law Day uh, 2018, Saturday from June 16th, uh, 9 to 2 p.m. at the Bowers Museum in Santa Ana. Over 100 legal experts from HandleOnTheLaw.com. Free legal advice in virtually every field of law. A live broadcast of Handle on the Law from 9 to 11 o'clock that morning. There'll be free seminars. You'll win prizes throughout the day. Uh, of course, I'll see you there yelling at you. Log on to KFIAM640.com. The keyword is Law Day, and it's sponsored by the Bowers Museum. During Law Day, get a $5 discount to visit all the exhibit, the Bowers, including their new exhibition, First Americans, Tribal Art from North America. That's Law Day, Saturday from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., June 16th. Okay, that's it. We're done for the day on this. I think we're done, all three. Okay. All right. Gee, is it time for Handle on the okay. News? Late edition? Sure. Why not? Lead story. I beg your pardon. I never promised Donald Trump is uh, pardoning Denise D'Souza. And two things about Denise D'Souza. He uh, was tagged and uh, was convicted of campaign uh, finance violations, and the other thing about him is no one has any idea who Denise D'Souza is. He's a conservative uh, filmmaker. He likes to make little documentaries. His best-known thing was um, 2016, Obama's America. Yeah, I remember the movie, but I don't remember Denise D'Souza. Yeah. That's all. How many people would know that name? I think, uh, no, I don't know anymore. Okay. All right, so we've got tariff news for you, and the EU and Mexico and Canada are not going to wriggle out. So earlier this year, when the U.S. announced that it was going to put these tariffs on metal and aluminum, at that time, Canada, Mexico, the EU were all exempt. Well, that has ended as of now. And in fact, already we have just learned that Mexico is retaliating by saying it's going to put now a tariff on things like grapes, apples, flat steel, and pork belly. Oh, yeah. It's a good. Tra- More pork bellies for us. Uh, uh, there the, you go. The trade war has already started. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happening. And you know, one thing about uh, the president, he's dead right on this one. He says, hey, I'm tired of these people stepping all over us when it comes to trade. And he is right, particularly China. Although uh, steel and aluminum, I noticed this story from CNBC, says uh, it is only Canada, Mexico, and the EU. Where's China? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
by the way, this and they're is, the ones that are are screwing us the most. This is until tomorrow when he announces a brand new NAFTA deal. Uh, of course. Uh, hey, Bashar al-Assad says the U.S. should get out of Syria. We gotta get out of this place. You get out of Syria. He was talking to uh, Russia Today, giving them an interview. The Americans should leave. Somehow they're going to leave. They came to Iraq with no legal basis, and look what happened to them. All right. Yeah. He also says that uh, they've opened the door to negotiating with those uh, that Kurdish group, the Syrian Democratic Forces that control uh, certain parts of the north of that country. Uh, you know, Assad's a, a very interesting guy. Uh, first of all, he's an ophthalmologist. He went to school in England. Uh, in ophthalmology, I mean, a real serious ophthalmology degree. Uh, and then when his father died, he was brought back, and every and he was so uh, just calm and self-effacing and just uh, a guy who never wanted the spotlight. Uh, and then he becomes uh, the uh, the dictator of uh, Syria and has become fairly, become brutal. I mean, he has no problem gassing his own people, uh, cluster bombs, wiping out hospitals. I mean, it's, uh, he's become a very tough guy. And he is one out of all the Arab Spring, uh, the riots and uh, the uh, dictators who fell as a result of Eric's, Eric, the Arab Spring. He has survived, and no one thought that he would. But then he has Russia on his side, too, and Iran. So what does that tell you? All right. Take a break. Come back. We'll finish this up. here as we finish up handle on the news late edition jennifer jones lee and wayne and how did me. i end up with this one uh full frontal host samantha b uh in big hot water she called ivanka trump a feckless c word yes oh. And it had, the, the context was you know the report that came out about the government supposedly lost track of these immigrant children that were in the Office of Refugee Settlement, uh, which is uh, overstating what really is going on, which is they're just people aren't returning their phone calls. And so Samantha B got on her show and Ivanka Trump had tweeted out a photo of her hugging her son. And I guess Samantha B felt like, how dare you do that when these yeah, children the can't be found? And so she said that and, and also said... Uh, basically, get your dad to change immigration policy. He listens to you. Put on something tight and low cut and tell your father to effing stop it. And now the narrative is going to be, how come her show's not going to be canceled? And the answer is, because it's not racist. That's why her show's not going to be canceled. And it's anti-Trump. And the reality is, is in the media and in showbiz, uh, you can be and are actually almost forced to be anti-Trump. Talking to Harvey Levin, uh, my friend who runs TMZ, and he said that if you are pro-Trump in showbiz today, you shut up. You just shut up. It's You cannot say it. Do you think with the Me Too movement and everything, though, this, because this is, I mean, is it not misogynist to uh, call a woman that? Yeah, but it's a woman calling a woman. 
So so race trumps gender hate. Is that what's going on yeah, right now? Currently? Pretty much. Yeah. Mm. It doesn't make it okay, but I hope somebody comes down on her for it. I hope she gets criticized for it. Hey, Tom Arnold claims Roseanne Barr wanted her show canceled. Yeah, I don't buy that for a minute. No. But uh, he said uh, it was uh, one thing that uh, he did say is he's not surprised and effectively she was a freight train just waiting to crash. That I'll buy. Yeah, I he, don't think he's saying. See, I, when I saw the headline, I'm like, oh, he's going to reveal some behind the scenes thing about how she said, I don't want to do the show anymore. No, how, yeah. But no. really what he really means is um, she must have. Right. Wanted her show to be canceled which to is a, do this. Yeah, which is a crock. Yeah. Which is wrong. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hey, the new rage in the workplace is quitting your job. Take this job and shove it. Yep. And why is that? Look where we've come from. You hang on to your job. You even take a haircut if you have to just to hang on. As a matter of fact, remember the phrase is keeping your job is a raise. Yeah. Boy, those days are gone. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the reasons is what they call the stay or go gap. Um, people who stayed at their job in the first quarter of this year, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta, their pay rose an average of two and a half percent. But people who quit their jobs and took a new job in the same industry, their pay ro- uh, rose 4.1 percent. Because when unemployment is low, employees Start to get a little bit of an advantage sometimes in terms of, hey, I can go get a job somewhere else if I can. Now, uh, when you talk about, well, yeah, yeah, that's there's money. I was just doing some math there. Is 4% really money? And it, it can be. Yeah, it can be. I think we should all quit our jobs and go work for Chick-fil-A in Sacramento. Ooh, yeah, I mean Chick-fil-A. Then we'd have to live in Sacramento, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's okay. But here's this uh, this guy, this Chick-fil-A owner in yes, Sac. Don't lie, yeah, Jennifer Jones. Honestly, Jones-y. I didn't think Do it was not that lie bad. right now. You are not an employee of the right. Sacramento Booster Club. Right, you guys, please, is the girl who grew up outside Redding, Sacramento was not that right, bad. Okay, so anyway, this guy who owns this uh, Chick-fil-A in Sac... He's already paying his cut or his employees twelve to thirteen bucks an hour. He wants to raise it to seventeen to eighteen dollars an hour. Okay, Morgan, are you listening? Oh no, seventeen to eighteen dollars an hour by just putting chicken on a bun. I knew you were going to call her out on this one. I knew it. Putting, Morgan so is our g- new associate producer person who I think she may be getting less than minimum wage. Somehow iHeart has figured out a way to go through a loophole. Uh, you know what? It's getting really close. Yeah, I know. Great. But I, I am minimum wage at least. Yes. She's yeah. going to leave us and go to Chick-fil-A. I'm proud. Yes. Mm-hmm. I went to school for this. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this owner, though, he kind of has a point in that he says, look, if if you look at the big picture, what it does for the business is provide consistency, someone that has relationship with the guests, and it's going to build a long-term culture. But also, yeah, it's a raise, but at the same time, think about the the turnover rate that is in fast food. It may actually so make sense it might financially. Cancel it out. Yeah, because the to- all the time that you have to put into training somebody and, you know, retraining somebody hold on, hold on might cancel out. Hold on. How much training do you have to do to work at a Chick-fil-A? I mean, it's not it's not like doing a residency, right, in uh, trauma medicine. <laughs> no. No, not quite that extensive. I want to hope that they're well-trained. Okay. Uh, Let's just move on. All right. Hey, sugar daddy, sugar baby, 
One of them called the cops. Which one? This time, the sugar baby called the cops on the show. This woman, this 18-year-old, met a 41-year-old guy, at least he claimed to be a 41-year-old guy, on some dating app for that kind of thing. And uh, he said, yeah, I'll pay you money to, you know, keep me company. But what he was doing, and this shows how dumb she was, is instead of just giving her money, he would give her a big check, like $2,000, and he'd say, 500 of that is for you, and when you cash it, send me the rest on an iTunes gift card. Yeah, what is that? Which she did, and she ended up finding out her account was totally overdrawn because guess what? Check was bogus. Hey, you guys, I'm just seeing on Fox News, President Trump is considering pardoning former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich and Martha Stewart. Uh, I think that... And he's picking his pardons very strategically to mirror he? his own concerns. Yeah, I think so. It's getting very interesting. Oh, so good. We're done, guys. All right, coming up, uh, the House Whisper segment, Dean Sharp, and we're going to talk Toilets! Toilets! That's it. Our show's going into the toilet. For how long are you going to talk about toilets? Two like se- two minutes and then you'll move on to something oh, no. else with Oh, no, no, no. It's two segments of toilets. <laughs> and it's going to be great. Right here. KFI AM 640. <laughs> here in the morning crew and it is time for the house whisper segment brought to you by sunlux the official solar company of home dean's uh, show as well as me and my show and my house actually for the best value in solar dial pound 250 and say sunlux all right dean sharp good morning sir good morning all right uh it's all about toilets today all about toilets see that's one of those things that everybody uses not that you you can live without uh, the remodel. You can live without new cabinets. You can live without a brand new landscaping. Hard to live without a toilet. It is hard to live without a toilet, even though most of mankind has in nope. one form or another. But you got to go somewhere. Yep. It has to happen. Okay. It's going to happen. Okay. First one. Uh, okay. So amazingly, though, yes. for something that we use multiple times a day, every day of our entire life, most people are amazingly ignorant about how their actual toilet works, how it works, what it does. Toilets, I'm sorry for nerding out, they are a wonder of modern engineering. They just they just are. But Toilets are amazing. Right. They but really are amazing. Point, they were, uh, the, our modern toilet was invented about in the late 1800s, correct? It was perfected in the late 1800s, yes. And the, and the basic design has not changed, has not it? Not much. Not much, because it's just, it's just brilliant. It's gravity-operated and, uh, and uh, uh, hydrodynamic, and it just, it just works. The very first toilet, who was the first most important person who ever sat on a flushing toilet? Do you uh, know? Queen Victoria. Uh, Queen Elizabeth the first. Oh, but it wasn't a flushing toilet. It was, was it? a flushing toilet. Oh, the very first flushing toilet. Yeah. So it was a water supply that was brought down. Yes. And it was... The guy's what? name was John Harrington. Okay. He was the godson of Elizabeth I. He 
invented the flushing toilet in 1596. But he didn't. It didn't get named after him. That's not why we no. called them Johns. I know Thomas Crapper. Thomas Crapper, who did, uh, and he's not the inventor. People think he's the inventor. He's not. Right? He's kind of the Henry Ford of toilets. He didn't invent. You know, like Henry Ford didn't invent the car, but he made automobiles what they are today. And so Thomas Crapper, he actually not only did he patent that toilet design, he opened the first toilet tub and sink showroom in London. And if you walk through Westminster Abbey, you will find sewer manhole covers with the Crapper Plumbing Company uh, logo emblazed on them still in Westminster Abbey. So he was the guy, and yeah, that's where all the names come from. But the guy, uh, Thomas Crapper, he, he basically perfected the flush toilet. So when you talk about technology, you're not talking about the modern, you're not talking about the basic design, and that is a gravity-fed water system that flushes out. And, and I remember reading about this uh, with the design of the modern toilet, uh, we're not talking about Queen Elizabeth's toilet. As a matter of fact, the first modern toilet butt that was uh, sat on in terms of royalty was Queen Victoria. That's right. And she That's had right. a rather, I don't know what it is about British queens I and know. toilets. And but. she had an ample uh, size butt, too. If you ever look at photos of Queen Victoria. I cannot verify that. Uh, okay. But modern. What what technology is used in modern toilets that is not being used, assuming that it's the same basic design? That wasn't used before? What has been updated? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So, a couple of things. Every year, it seems, uh, toilet manufacturers are still trying to figure out how to do the uh, what we call the ball cock mechanism inside the tank. And that's the float that allows the water to drain in and drain out and the flapper. Everybody who's had a toilet in their house has dealt with the fact that the flappers start leaking and you hear that little trickle and the all of that. that little rubber. The little thing that, that flaps up that and actually up and lets the water out of the tank right. into the bowl. So uh, that is constantly being updated. There have been like 800 versions of the, the valve the inside the tank. Uh, and, uh, and nowadays there are whole new flushing mechanisms with what is going to, I believe, be the future of toilets, which are in-wall, wall-mount toilets for houses. Other than that, everything below the tank, it's all still pretty much the same. It works on a kind of a P-trap system. Here's the most interesting thing to me. I'm a nerd about this kind of stuff. The waste that goes in the toilet. Well, let me ask you. Of all the water that comes out of the tank when you flush, okay, uh, where does most of that water go? Do you see it or do you not see it? I'm kind of well, setting you, you up for yeah, that. Yeah, you know, I don't. when I look at it, when you see a toilet flush... Uh, you don't see as much water as you would in the tank. As you think. Right. You should see. And there's a reason. Eight, most people think all the water from right. the tank comes out around the perimeter, all those little holes around the right. perimeter of the bowl. 80% of the water of the tank is actually shooting way down at the bottom. If you look way down at the bottom in that little recess, there's a small hole. It's called a siphon jet. Most of the water from the tank is shooting out that jet. And what it's doing, it's creating a siphon, like if you siphon gas out of a car. So waste in your toilet is not pushed out of oh, your toilet by water. It is literally sucked out. Oh, interesting. It is sucked out by siphonic action. Siphonic action. Siphonic I, action. I like that. So describing a, a bowel movement as creating siphonic action. Every now, day. Now. Millions of times a day. And... Now, depending on uh, how much uh, how your gastrointestinal system works, you can also call it symphonic action. 
there, there, there is an audible. There is an audible factor to it, sure. Both from you as well as uh, the toilet. I think we're going to stop on that one. Let's come back. Okay, then we're going to just run through the yeah, practical then we're gonna, questions. Right, I was just having a great time with that. So let's run through uh, some of the facts of the toilet. And there are a lot of them. I mean, you gave me a list. Uh, we could spend an hour and a half on just the toilets. Uh, we'll be right back. KFI, let's go to Jennifer Jones. Morning crew, and it, uh, we're in the middle of a Dean Sharp a House Whisper segment. And uh, Dean, we're talking toilets, and I know it's nothing well, but potty humor. Uh, you know, it's and, oh. well, we've done a lot of that, but uh, this is serious stuff because everybody uses it, and there's a lot uh, to know, and we're all ignorant. Yeah, so I'm just trying to you know equate people, uh, 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 sorry, acquaint people with how their toilet actually works, so they don't freak out over you know most of the time right. you don't have to call a plumber. When there's something weird, no, going. you got the plunger. But people don't got... understand. They just don't understand. Like here's a here's a question. I ask this all the time. People cringe. If your life depended on, can you drink toilet water? I would from the tank. Well, see, that's the question. I, I would think. So from you the understand tank, yes. toilets well enough that you know that the tank has nothing but fresh water in it. It's basically right. your kitchen sink. Right. That water never gets involved with, in anything else. With, and, and no salmonella in there. You're not throwing pieces of chicken that you have hopefully, cut up. Uh, hopefully, hopefully not. not. No, the tank is just a reservoir right. way above all the mess. Right. Uh, it That water doesn't get dirty until it flushes down. So technically, yeah, that, that toilet tank has got clean, quote-unquote, right. water in it. Not that you wouldn't want to boil it first, but the point is that. Um this is a critical one. When people change out their toilets, it's maybe the number one frustration. When people are changing out their toilets on their own, so they turn off the water, they flush it so that the tank drains out, then they might go in. It's a good idea to take a sponge and go in and get all the water out of the tank because there's still a little bit down there. And then they disconnect the, uh, the water feed, and they try and get all the water out of the bowl. So they see no water anywhere, and then they pull the toilet off of the drain they carry it about two feet. They might tip it ever so slightly, about three degrees, one direction or another, and water comes out the bottom of the toilet. It's in the trap? Where is that? Yeah, exactly. There the is water in the trap of the toilets designed that way to stay there all the time so that sewer gases don't come up through and into the bathroom. So there's a water trap, a break. That water, you cannot get to that water from the outside of your toilet. So... Typically, what we used to do in the past is we would have like a garbage bag ready, like a big garbage bag. We'd pull the toilet very carefully, get the bag under it, bag it, and that way as we're carrying it out, if it leaks, it doesn't matter. Now, you said something rather interesting. When you are replacing your own toilet, yeah, I would never replace my own toilet. It's a DIY thing. Uh, well, you would but, but, but I'm saying how many... How common is it? Oh, if you're people? a DIYer, toilet replacement is one of the simplest most basic plumbing things you could do. You can totally replace your own toilet if you just know the steps along the way. 
And so you just get to know it. You understand it a little bit better. Like I'm saying about this water, you bag it. Nowadays, though, you don't even have to get the water out of the bowl because we can make toilet jello. There is a product. That's fantastic. There's a product that you can get at. You can get it at the local hardware store, Home Depot. It costs like two bucks. Um, it's, uh, 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 I'm trying to remember the name of the product now here. I'm totally, totally gelling on the, anyway, it's basically a powder. You tear it open, you put it in the water in the bowl. Within four minutes, it gelatinizes all the water you in the base of the, so when you pick it up, it's all jello in there. It doesn't leak anywhere. You can keep that in there if you're reusing the toilet. And when you set it back again, once you fill it back up with water, the new water will dissolve the plug, and it'll just flush right away. Uh, the uh, let, Let's go into bidets, uh, right? We have one uh, at home when we built the house. It, obviously, it's in Marjorie's, uh, her toilet area. I've never actually seen anybody use a bidet other than washing their feet. Bidets are, are pretty, the day of the bidet is pretty much over. It really is. And the reason is that a bidet is a non-paper hygienic cleaning station that has now been taken over by these uh, what we call waterlet toilet uh, lids, which are built-in bidets. They've got the little spout that right. comes out. That whole That is the future. It really, really is the future. And if everybody has been like staying away from those because they think it's gross or weird, oh, here wonderful. are the facts. We have one. They are more hygienic than toilet paper. They are more sustainable than toilet paper. They cost less. They use less water. They use less trees. I mean, on and on and on and on. And more and more toilets are coming now, standard with them. Now, in the Asian uh, market, you know, Japan, Korea, that's basically all they do is use those. That's funny. Throughout the world, when you're looking at design, sometimes the U.S. is the leader. Sometimes it's Europe. When it comes to toilets... You look to Japan and you just toilets and robots. You just look to Japan and you say, what are you guys doing? Because that's what the future is. Japan is the world leader in toilet technology. They, they've been using those bidet uh, tops for a long time. And it's not uh, those. I, I mean, I love ours because, uh, first of all, the seat is heated. Uh, the water is heated. The air is heated. The fan that dries uh, you. Yeah, all of that is right? uh, it's kind of and while they're not that inexpensive all you're doing is replacing your lid effectively and connecting the water to right it. and you can get i mean if you're willing for cold water and yeah. and and without the fan drying you at the end you can get them for as inexpensively as like $40 it's the ones that greet you that open <laughs> most motion sensor yeah. that that were the that we call them no touch toilets right. which is also very nice you just walk in the room it opens it it swirls it pre-rinses Warms the seat, all of the. I mean, it's a wonderful experience. Exactly what we have. Uh, and I'd rather, I, I enjoy many hours in that room of mine. Number one bathroom injury. Other than carpal tunnel syndrome? <laughs> Other than that. Okay. 87% of bathroom injuries are scrapes and bruises from falling into the bowl because somebody left the seat up. Uh, boy, that has happened to so many people. Right? And that and is... and you know it when your butt gets so cold so quickly and so wet, you jump. You just leap. Yeah, you do. Uh, main reason to make a cell phone waterproof. People, t that's true. Seven million I, cell phones. True. Go into the toilet a I've, year. I've done that in a couple the US. of times. It's crazy. There you go. All right. You're going to do toilets this weekend? 
No, actually, we're doing a call-a-thon this okay. weekend. Just everybody's call, anything you want, right. I'm there. All uh, calls. We could spend an hour and a half on just the toilets. Uh, KFI, let's go to Jennifer. KFI handle here on a uh, Thursday, May 31. Uh, some of the top stories that we're covering. Roseanne is in its second episode after today. Uh, well, today is the second episode. Yesterday was the first episode. And it uh, is getting crazy, uh, to say the least. So uh, the question is, will cast members be entitled to a paycheck, even with them recently negotiating a new contract? They just signed $300,000 per episode. How about the rest of the cast and the crew? Uh, I did a 7 o'clock segment on that, and that's still going on. And Samantha B, TBS talk show host, went crazy describing uh, Ivanka Trunk, Trump, tr- not Trunk, uh, in a rather vulgar manner. So uh, there's a lot going on today. Oh, yeah, and the president uh, with tariffs. Uh, he is going to go ahead with the uh, aluminum and steel tariffs against uh, Mexico, Canada, and the European Union. All right, now, uh, we've talked about... Uh, this topic, and it has to do with the school shooters and why. Because there are so many school shooters out there, right? Uh, the number of school shootings since the first of the year has uh, become astronomical. One of the things that uh, we sort of talked about, and now it's uh, a study that uh, is has established, it said, oh, yeah, this is really happening. And that is uh, that a lot of these school shooters have become Columbiners, You've got the Columbine shooting, and uh, that was um, 1999 in Colorado. So we're talking just about 20 years. We're talking about basically 20 years out. And that has become sort of the ground central for the shooters that have followed. And uh, there is a study that has just been done and it, it was it's uh, interviews with law enforcement officials and educators and researchers and students. Uh, in one case, a gunman's mother, a review of court documents, academic studies, the writings of the killers, would-be killers. And uh, so it's pretty extensive, to say the least. And it is now established that the school shooting copycat syndrome has become more per- pervasive and has escalated. And it has escalated year to year. And it all goes back to the Columbine uh, killers, uh, high school students, who have, in many cases, to a lot of these cockroaches, have achieved uh, the, excuse me, the status of folk heroes. And these uh, copycat killers known as Columbiners, and uh, this, uh, it's kind of crazy. It's almost as if you have um, these horrific uh, criminals I mean, even going back to the Nazi days, uh, they don't bury them any place you can see them. Why? Uh, because they're afraid they're going to become shrines. And the two killers uh, in Columbine have become shrines, just the shooting itself. You know, for example, and we know this is going on. We see it. And... Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we have that uh, that audio, don't we? This is the audio of uh, Nicholas Cruz, uh, cell phone video in the Parkland school shooting, and listen to part of this. 
I know he originally it wasn't going to happen. My yep. name is Nick, and I'm going to be the next school shooter of 2018. My goal is at least 20 people with an AR-15 and a couple trace rounds. I think I can do a good done. Location is Stone Douglas in Parkland, Florida. It's going to be a big event. Uh, I had enough of being told what to do and when to do. I had enough of being telling me that I'm an idiot and a dumb. All right, that, that's life, that's enough. Right. So in uh, they're connecting uh, him to the Columbine shooters because that's who the hero is for all these people. Peter Langman is a psychologist and wrote a book called Why Kids Kill Inside the Minds of School Shooters. So he pretty well knows this. And he runs the website uh, schoolshooters.info says this entire movement is gaining momentum. The more of these shootings there are, the more there will be. It feeds on itself. Langman has uh, created a mass shooter diagram, and it targets the influence of Columbine and what uh, Columbine, the influence on 30 other rampage attacks at schools and elsewhere. And we're talking about from California to Germany. This Columbine shooting, Columbine shooting in 1999, uh, has gotten world attention. Not only did it become world news, but it has become massive world attention to these crazy people all over the world. The mother of uh, one of the shooters, Sue Klebold, said, I do believe there is a contagion. There is no question. She said that her son and her son's friend helped set up a template for others, leading young people with depression, thoughts of suicide, other uh, struggles to believe a mass shooting uh, and an escape route, and there's a whole confluence of forces. I mean, think about this. News coverage of the attacks. We have 24-hour news coverage, so everything is repeated ad nauseum. If you see video, it'll be repeated several times an hour for a news cycle today is, what, a full day? And it can be several days. Of course, social media is there. That's an easy one. Community disconnection is certainly there. I mean, these, for the most part, are losers, these kids who do this. And a unique uh, American aspect of this, and that is ready access to weapons. And in most cases, there is uh, some kind of a semi-automatic weapon being used. You know, the, quote, assault type, uh, the assault type weapon. And there are so many people who... Just bring up the shooters and all of the shooters as heroes. I can't wait to do that. And usually there is a Facebook post. Uh, usually there is some kind of evidence. Kids depressed. They said to someone, I'm going to shoot. But the problem is there's so many of them. We talk about how the authorities, they should have known. They should have known this guy is dangerous. Well, when you have thousands of kids saying things that if they end up doing a shooting, we should have interpreted that evidence and should have stopped the shooter. Too many. Too many with similar thoughts. And every once in a while, it plays out. So now it's solid. We now know scientifically 
Research shows that there it's what we thought it was. The connection to the Columbine shooters is uh, getting more and more prevalent. Okay, switching gears. Uh, companies. How many companies do you, see, do you see out there saying, I'm sorry? No, no, I'm really, really sorry. That's coming up. KFI AM 640, there's Jennifer Jones Lee. I'm sorry. So sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. By the way, it's going on a lot right now on a corporate level. You've got Wells Fargo. I'm sorry. You have Facebook. I'm really sorry. You've got Uber. I'm really, really sorry. You have the new CEO of Uber. And uh, you've seen those ads. We're a different company. And this goes back a ways, by the way. These corporate mea culpas aren't uh, new they're just more prevalent, and they're just more out there. I mean, you go back to 1987, uh, Chrysler Corporation Chairman Lee Iacocca, who was doing commercials for uh, Chrysler, very well known uh, at, at that time. I mean, it was just a, one, one of the most famous guys in America. And uh, he used full-page print ads to apologize for Chrysler testing cars while the odometers were disconnected. Uh, remember BP, the uh, oil spill after the Deepwater Horizon disaster? Uh, there, and that was probably the first time you had a major company employing uh, TV, print, digital to repair its image. And uh, we, I certainly remember that. So what is going on with all this? Well, uh, a couple things are happening. Uh, because of social media, and again, the 24-hour news cycle that I talked about in the last segment, and when you have these uh, corporate I'm sorry campaigns, that's just not a one or two day news cycle either. Uh, it becomes a major effort. And I think what happens is today, uh, not only does a company have to deal with uh, the fact that uh, every, single, every single thing that's said and done instantly appears on every media there is, particularly social media, but People are more apt to hold companies accountable. Or maybe they're not. There's always been those people. But how do they have access to hold the companies accountable? I mean, think of that. Calling for a boycott. It used to be if you had called for a boycott years ago, uh, you needed massive publicity. The big one that I can uh, remember is Uva's No. Right? The Grapes. With uh, Cesar Chavez and the grape growers uh, against, or the grape pickers against the grape growers. That went on for years. Today, the boycott would be instant. It'd be instantaneous because you have social networking. So for those people that want to hold a company accountable, man, it, it becomes viral almost instantly. So people now have a public forum to vent their anger. You know, it got to the point where, uh, for example, what made talk radio so popular is that w- that was the forum. You could you could write a letter to the editor, but one out of a thousand were printed. Uh, certainly, you couldn't go on TV. You couldn't write an article. You weren't going to be quoted in the newspaper. So when news talk radio or or talk radio started, this was the format. And people would go on. Now, I don't take phone calls. 
because uh, I, I have a whole philosophy. I'd rather control the show than have uh, a caller control the show. And uh, a lot of idiots call. I mean, if you've ever listened to Handle on the Law, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, if you listen to uh, talk shows around the country, and some of them still do this, it's, hey, what do you think, audience? And uh, then you have the average Joe or Joette calling in and being able to speak. And if not tonight, then tomorrow night. And if not tomorrow night, the night after. Well, the Internet has changed all of that. The Internet now allows everybody to talk to everybody And then it's a question of what gets legs. That's it. And so now we're back to everybody. Also, keep in mind, uh, we're in in an age of rage. We're pissed off. It's all conspiracies, too. Of course, the conspiracy theorists have gone completely berserk. So you know what these companies do? And that is, of course, every single one of them go to uh, uh, crisis management companies Uh, Part of uh, public relations is crisis management, and it has become a growth industry. Companies that do nothing except deal with these crises for major corporations. Uh, John Thomas uh, has been involved in this, and there's another friend of mine who also is involved and specializes in crisis management for corporations, also for individuals. Uh, Like you can bet a Harvey Weinstein, uh, he had one of those. And anybody who is uh, high up, both financially and in the public eye, and all of a sudden stories start breaking, you bet that they're going to go out and hire a crisis management organization. And they have, and then they have war rooms. Let's say a story breaks, right? A story breaks about uh, iHeartMedia that's accused of doing something wrong and has to apologize. That night, a crisis management team uh, will be hired, and a war room will be uh, established literally within hours. How do we deal with this? Where do we deal with it? How far do we go in apologizing? Uh, w- what are we going to do to fix it? Do we uh, release information as to how we're going to fix it? Do we simply say we're going to, like the CEO of Uber? We're going to fix the problem. All right? Wells Fargo. Uh, We are not going to open up 15 accounts, fake accounts, in your name. We're going to keep it down to 11. Before they sue me, by the way, that was me being hyperbolic and just making an example. So, Hoffman, when you're about to get fired for something you say, are you hiring a crisis management team? Uh, My wife might. I don't think I would. So what's going on today? Uh, well, we're going to get into uh, the discussion about John Goodman's reaction to his co-star to Roseanne and the cancellation of the show. I mean, he, John Goodman doesn't have anything to worry about. No. He's a working actor. He's He'll probably get paid out for whatever the se- he was going to get for the season. He won't get bonuses for ratings or anything like that, but he'll be fine. And so will, like... Uh, uh, Lori Metcalf and yeah. Sarah Gilbert. But, I mean, there's They're a lot of people who are going to be affected by this. Uh, in the 11 o'clock hour, we are going to be talking about mistakes that you can make. You shouldn't, but you could make with teenagers. Justin Warsham's going to join us, host of the Dad Podcast. And then in the 1 o'clock hour, strange science, including smart toilet paper that could help fight obesity. Wow. You're going to have to listen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, those are fabulous teases that you come up with. 
As in, now that becomes appointment radio. You know that. Yes, that's oh, yeah. why we do it. I understand that's that. That's why we do it. Also, uh, I'm taking phone calls, 877-520-1150. Handle on the law, marginal legal advice. I'll start in that in just a few minutes. They go to 11 o'clock, 877-520-1150. also want to remind you, Law Day is coming up June 16th at the Bowers Museum from 9 to 2 o'clock. Uh, so calendar that one. And uh, you can call for marginal legal advice uh, starting in a moment or two at 877-520-1150. I'm doing it off the air for future broadcast, 877-520-1150. Up next, Gary and Shannon. Gary, have a good show. Thank you, sir. This is Handle in the Morning Crew, KFI AM 640.